our series in the OT, one of the things I've come to the conclusion is, is that if I was writing the Bible, I wouldn't put some of these stories in there. I mean, if I had been God, if you will, I would not have included the mess. I, I don't know that I would have included the dysfunction. <laughs> because if I'm trying to get people to join something, trying to get people to follow me, I'm just not sure how to put those flat sides as stories along the way. But it's there. It's full of people that are irrational to take on giants, to take on tasks like the disciples did or the Apostle Paul. Irrational people. If we were here today, we would say, you know what, Let's don't want, we don't want them at our church because they're irrational. John the Baptist. Not even sure the Baptists want him. Just saying. Irrational. They changed the world. If someone had talked them out of it. But there's also people that, like I said, I don't know that I'd included Adam and Eve. David in his darkest hours. Balaam. And today we're going to talk about Samson. Judges 13 through 16. We are not reading all that today. Last week I read you the whole scripture, and I like doing that. But part of the reason I read that whole passage of scripture, whole chapter last week, because it's partly not a story you're familiar with, or many people are familiar with. I would believe today that many of you are already familiar with Samson, Samson and Delilah, kind of like David. It's thrown around in our culture, whether you've ever attended church or not. You've got some kind of feel for that. So I'm not going to read those four chapters, but I do encourage you to go read those chapters. And most of us, if we've read the story, we know that at the end, Samson in, in, ends up killing 3,000 Philistines and kind of ends the whole thing. But you may not know, he killed a lion with his bare hands. <laughs> this is crazy. He married a Philistine woman, then proceeded to kill 30 Philistines after the wedding. What a party. What a reception. Struck down a thousand men with the jawbone of, I'm going to use the good term here, donkey. Those of you here last week. <laughs> I didn't go King James on you. You just need to go listen to last week if you're not laughing right now, okay? You should have already listened, okay? He carried off the city gates of a Philistine town when they tried to capture. He just rips the city gates off going, I'm just going to just... Yeah, that's what I'm going to do, because I can. Now, I don't know what your resume looks like up to this point, but I'm not sure it, it rivals this. And all that's great if that's all we knew about Samson. But there's some tough parts that I want to go over today because I believe there's a reason why these scriptures are still in there. I think they still speak to us all these thousands of years later. They speak to us to say, hey, pay attention. Now, I realize somebody else could take this passage of Scripture and get something else out of it, but I want to share with you today what I believe God has speaking to me and mining out 
in that. So I hope it's helpful. And again, we're not going to go over a lot of Scripture today. There will be some here and there because there's so much of the story. I, tried, I read through it like three times, all four chapters, and it was hard just to find a whole long thread to just camp on. So I'm just going to count on you to go read it. Okay, is that a deal? Oh, yeah, some of you lying to me, I know, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I know you are not going to, but that's okay. Judges 13, 5. You'll become pregnant. Now, this is Manoah's wife. She's never, her name's never even mentioned. It's interesting. Like, Jen doesn't have a name. Just Kurt's wife. Just call her that. See how that works, okay? No, but, uh, but she's not. You become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite. Not to be confused with, confused with Nazarene, but... Dedicated to God from the womb, he will take the lead in delivering... Now listen to this. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. The first thing I learned here is what might have been. What might have been. You would think that all the trouble that God went to to announce Samson's birth, Samson would have understood the awesomeness of God. And there's no doubt, I would guess that his parents told a lot of stories about how the angel came and told him about the, this, this unique prophecy over them. You would think he would know those. And then they set him apart as a Nazarite. And you could go back and read that. But the literally means, in that sense, to be set apart. Anything familiar about that, what we teach in our theology? To be set apart for God's use. To be sanctified. Not set apart as in, I'm going to go build walls up and we're just going to go live somewhere. We don't want anybody like you guys coming in. That's not set apart. Set apart is as being an instrument of God and anointed and appointed and called. That was Samson. It's actually all of us. So as you listen today, I hope you kind of move yourself into this a little bit and, and kind of in, inject yourself into the story. Because the, whole, the tragedy to me of the whole book of Judges. It was an opportunity to advance the kingdom, and it was wasted. What might have been, what might have been, When you think of what God meant for Samson to be, this really is a tragic story. What did Israel need at this point? What did they need? Man, they desperately needed a leader, an influencer that was strong, that was righteous, that was self-assured, a person of integrity. 
because they had been taken away by the Philistines. They were operating in fear. And the, the problem, part of the problem was with the Israelites at this point, they were okay with this. That's particularly tragic, right? Because it wasn't just Samson that had this call. It was the whole children of Israel. But if you, take, if you get carried away long enough, you almost don't want to go back. How many times in the wilderness going, we were better off in Egypt, right? We literally, we thought we were better off in slavery. But they didn't get that kind of leader. They didn't get the kind of leader that they should have gotten. They didn't get the kind of leader that God appointed him to be. What kind of influencer does your family need? What kind of influencer does your siblings need? Young people. Your workplace. Your community. Your church. The question begs, were the Israelites any better off because they had the judges in their life? Were the, were the enemies more inclined to worship the one true God because they showed up? What might have been? Are the people around you better off? Because you're a part of their lives. Does your life lead people towards God or away from God? Or does it just confuse people really bad? Is this community better off because Renovation Church is here? Genevieve had this conversation before. Would it be better? It sounds like a weird conversation, but we've had it. Would we be better off assuming no growth in our spiritual walk? Would we be better off just going, yeah, that really doesn't matter? Because I watch people who, who it seems like they live that way. It's just who I am. Deal with it. I don't have to grow. No change, just a sinner saved by grace. But what if your potential is greatness for your family? Well, what if that's your potential? Just what if? What might, what could, what should have been? The book of Judges ends this way. It's interesting. The last verse in the book of Judges. Judges 21, 25. In those days Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Samson did what he saw was right in his own eyes. 
And we don't know what exactly motivated him. We don't know if it was pride because he was the strongest man on earth. We don't know if it was fear because he was chased by the Philistines all the time. They were trying to trick him and kill him. And finally they did get him eventually. We don't know if it was lust because that comes up often. We don't know if it was all three of them mixed together. All we know is this is where he is. But what we do learn here is this. Is that apparently pride, fear, and lust all have the potential to override wisdom, discernment, calling, and anointing. Let me say it again. What we do learn from Samson's life is this. That apparently pride, fear, and lust have the potential to override wisdom, discernment, anointing, and calling. That we know. Multiple times it says, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. Isn't it amazing that the creator of the universe reveals himself and his plan to you and I? I'm not even talking about Samson. To you and I. And for that moment we feel valued and somehow or another we get up and walk away going, I don't even, I, I, yeah, I'm not doing that. Or maybe I do it for a while. But how do we get here? How do we operate there? Most of us, I don't believe, realize how, how thin and fragile this whole thing is. I'm not talking about fragile salvation, so don't be running anywhere. I'm just talking about how fragile it is to think that I can figure this out in my own eyes. That's what I'm talking about. That I'm just going to count on what I know. And I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes. And we don't realize how fragile our lives can tip and how quickly they can tip when we live in that window. See, I believe Samson knew what he should be doing. I don't think that was an issue for Samson. He was trained. He was raised up. He had all the understanding. But knowledge alone doesn't mean motivation or participation in what you've just learned. And the other thing is, we, I heard Craig Rochelle talking about the other day, is reality is sin's fun. I love what Craig says. He said, if you don't agree with me, either one, you're not doing it right. <laughs> or two, you're lying. Sin's fun till it's not fun. Sin's fun until they arrest you and gouge your eyes out like they did Samson. Sin's fun until it's not fun. Sin's fun, we've said it here before, there'd be less sin if there were, if there were more immediate consequences, there'd be less sin. Because, oh, my sin here, oh, man, it affects me. Oh, I'm going yeah, to slow down a little bit. How many times have you sensed and known or people have told you God's hand is upon you? You have everything you need to live out what he has called you to do. How many times do you have to be told? 
he did what was right in his own eyes. Judges 16, 15. Delilah, after two or three riddle things, two or three Samson lying to her about how he loses strength, all that kind of stuff, and here comes Delilah. She finally is just as frustrated because she's manipulating him too. And then she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your strength lies. How can you say you love me and your heart is not with me? You say, Lord, Lord, but you do not what I say. How can you say you love me, but your heart your decision-making, your motivation, why you do everything you do in life is not with me. Delilah speaks, some of the, speaks one of the greatest... The Bible is full of great questions. I've told you before, I mean, Pilate, what is truth? God, in the garden, who told you you were naked? Who told you you now have shame? Who told you that? Because I didn't design you for shame. The Bible is full of profound questions that ring through the centuries. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Samson delighted, decided to prioritize his relationship with Delilah. Just, just what he did. So Samson's heart was pulled away from God. And sometimes we want to go, God, where are you? And I, I believe you're chasing after God many times, and there's a sense of that. But so many times we pull away from him. We don't want him to speak to us anymore. We don't want him to talk to us anymore. We don't want to hear him anymore. We want him to be around when we need him, but we don't want that. We don't want that. And whatever gets your attention ultimately ends up determining your direction. And most people don't get here on purpose. I don't believe most people end up here getting up just one day and saying, I'm going to see how bad I can mess my life up today. They just don't. I remember a story from years ago. I cut out, I've got it in my file somewhere, I think it was in Little Rock. Some teenage boys went out to a, to a uh, convenience store to steal beer. Underage, and, and either way, they're stealing it. And, they're, and so they run out to the, to the truck, they're running, and the, so the store clerk comes out after them, gets on the side of their truck. They run over him and kill him. They didn't get up that day to have murder charges or manslaughter or whatever you want to call it. They did not get up that day to do that. But steps, incremental steps. But you think you're too smart, right? You think those rules apply to other people. They don't apply to me because I'm too smart. You just don't get up one day and do that.
I just don't think the Israelites intended to always be worshiping other gods and idols. But just a little, like we talked about last week with Balaam, they're drawn in. They, 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 he brought the, Balaam, you know, said, hey, just bring prostitutes and these other foods and idols. They'll, they'll eventually come. And for some of you, you're on the right path. Then all of a sudden, you take a wrong turn. And now you're on a different route. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. It says everything you do flows from it. We buy security for everything. We buy cameras. We buy security ID for our identification. We get all that kind of stuff, but we won't guard our hearts. They can steal everything in my house, but I'm still going to be a great dad. I may not have done really well on my investments over the year, or lack of even doing anything, matter of fact, but I'll tell you what, I've invested in some of the right places because I've tried to guard my heart. I'm not perfect. Could you imagine us doing everything else to get security, but the one thing that determines how I'll be as a man or a woman, I don't. Above all, Everything you do in life, eating, drinking, guard your heart because it determines everything else. I know that's not a popular thought in our culture, but it happens like this. Many of you know Andy Stanley, my, illustri my illustration, his illustration that I have used over the years because the principle of the pathway and it is this, every path leads where it leads, regardless of gender, regardless of race, regardless of socioeconomics. You get on a path, if this path right here is following after God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor yourself, you can't keep going that way. That's not complicated. That is just simply not complicated. Every path takes you where it takes you. And it applies to everybody. So if you choose to be self-absorbed, money's going to be more than anything, you say, okay, that's fine, but just realize, here, here's the problem with all that, right? Just realize it takes you where it takes you. But the problem with that is it also influences people that are connected to you directly. There are ripples. If you just did it in a vacuum, and say, I just want to be self-absorbed the rest of my life, and that's what I want to do, and I'm only going to affect me. You know, I'd go, you know, dude, you got to do what you got to do, ma'am. you got to do what you got to do. But the problem is that's not the case. That's just not the case. You affect our whole culture. You may affect my insurance premiums because you decided to drive drunk. Oh, it's my right. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because you're involving me. You're involving my innocent family who just wants to come home from dinner or the movie. And you're too arrogant to see it. Too self-absorbed to see it. God's trying to get some of your guys' attention. He's telling you you're on the wrong path. 
There are signs on the roadway that says, you are on the wrong path, period. And you're just blowing right by them. But God is bringing circumstances and people to help you. You're here today, I just have a feeling. Because you, in many ways, want that. You're just not sure how to get there, and you're not sure you totally want it. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. He says, I am the path. I am the path. The last one is this. Judges 16, 28. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. At this point, Samson's been in prison. His eyes have been gouged out. And he prays to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Now, I'm not sure God's always looking to get revenge on people. I, you know, God did what he did and how all that works. I'm not sure you pray for revenge all the time. <laughs> but what I will say is this. Please, God, strengthen me. Please, God, strengthen me one more time. Just one more time. See, Samson could have done this. He could have gone into a pity party. He was anointed and appointed, and he had blown it. He was in prison, he was blind. However, when you're in a situation where you want to roll into a pity party, stand tall, stand firm, ask for courage, and fight. And I realize there are circumstances at time we've got to work through things. And we grieve, and there's things that we work through. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But having a pity party is not attractive as an influencer. It's just not. What is attractive is you recognize the situation. You don't ignore it. Reality, there it is. But you stand tall and you stand firm and you begin to fight. So many of us would rather sit around and whine about it when we hear, well, in staff meeting this week it was funny, we were hearing about a situation in a family in our church, and I appreciate Jeff just being honest. And he goes, wow, man, alive. Now my car breaking down doesn't sound near as bad as that. But and I appreciate him recognizing that somebody else probably already has it worse. Way worse. Way, way worse. Doesn't change your circumstance. I realize you've got to work through it. But all I'm saying is, folks, I don't think living here is the place to be what I appreciate about him is because up to this point Samson has lived a life of indecisiveness so the fourth thing I would say here is the power of decisiveness 
See, indecisiveness, indecisiveness is a precursor to cowardness. I would just rather not decide anything. That way it gives me freedom not to have to do anything and stand with courage and fight. Again, we go through times. Don't misunderstand again. Don't hear what I'm not saying. There are times that things are uncertain. And there are times you're praying through to try to figure out what God is saying. But that's a little different than what I'm saying here. Samson was straddling his foot in both worlds. Matter of fact, he had most of his body over here and a little bit over here at times with God. But when you decide, the power comes. Decisiveness brings power. Just try losing weight. When you decide you're all in, all of a sudden things begin to happen. And it's got to be all in, though. It can't just be partially in. I'm just saying the different things. Your finances, you decide we're all in. We're going to get this straightened out. It begins to give you power to do the things you couldn't do when you were indecisive or whether or not you were committed to it. But, oh, there's much greater things, your spiritual life, your marriage. You want to bring power to your marriage? Both people need to decide we're all in and we'll do whatever it takes to become the person we need to do and be in God's eyes. But when you're indecisive and go, I still want to be over here, you lose power. You have no power. I'm going on vacation tomorrow, so I just figure, you know, <laughs> just throw it out there and leave town. <laughs> Potential cannot be realized in indecisiveness. Really nothing can, to be honest with you. When you're decisive, you make decisions based on your values. Taking action on them as soon as you can. It is not, like I've said before, you don't wait to find out if you're a teenager, if you have a conviction about sex before marriage. You can't wait till you get in the backseat of the car to make that, make that decision. You got already decided that a long time ago. You just never get yourself in that situation. You ain't even getting there. It already clears that up. I'm free. I have power. I can look in the eye because I already decided. See, it changes everything. Because I'm convicted about this and I'm walking empowered. Most of all, the power of the Holy Spirit, it changes everything. But when you're in and out, in and out, in and out, you lose the power. Your potential will never be realized when you're indecisive. Again, that's different than going through a season of seeking God's wisdom. Please hear that. And the reality is, even sometimes when you decide, you make mistakes. But if you decide with wanting to be on the right path and the right intent, just correct course and keep moving. See, I think some of the reasons why people are indecisive, decisive, they're afraid they'll make a mistake. I think we need way more mistakes in our life. We just don't need the same mistakes over and over. Some of you are more afraid of taking a risk and trying something new you're more afraid of that than keep doing the same thing you've always been doing knowing it fails. 
You're more comfortable there. Come on, church. I don't say that. I don't know if I've ever said that before in my whole life. <laughs> when I say it that way, I mean, come on, church. You keep doing the same thing over and over, knowing that it doesn't work. But you feel more secure there than taking a risk with God and seeing if something else could change. Some of you are way more comfortable being with a group of people who are wrong than standing alone and being right. Decisiveness. Let me say something to your parents. Decisiveness. What you decide, and either being all in or not, and it's not just parents, don't misunderstand, but just many times as a parent, you've got a ripples that are so significant. You've got to decide you're all in. Not just attending church, not just tithing, not just volunteering, but I'm talking about all in internally, set apart for God's use, to be a fragrance and aroma, to advance the kingdom unhindered. Part of the hindrance we have today is because people don't want to be all in. They want to do what's right in their own eyes, not what's right in his eyes. So the kingdom can advance forward unhindered. And you know, I, I look dads and, and men in the eye, all of you, man up, walk in front. And what I mean by that here at Renovation is walk in front. He who walks in front walks closest to death. I don't mean walk in front, hey, everybody just follow me because I get to walk in front. No, it's a whole different thing about that, folks. Walk in front, set the pace, and hopefully people will be walking right by you. Your spouse, your kids are going, I want to run and keep up. I want to run and keep up because where my dad and where, that, where he's going, man, I want to be a part of that. What might have been the saddest part about Samson's story? What might have been? He did what right was right in his own eyes. Because his heart was far from God. But when he decided, he ended up finding himself in Hebrews in the hall of fame of faith <laughs> of all things. He finally decided to be all in, even if it cost him his life. There are generations waiting for parents and young people to be all in. To be all in. I hope you hear me today that this is a great hope. I know I, I get fired up and I'm not even going to listen to it this way. I'll just be honest with you. I'm just going <laughs> to... Let it go. <laughs> you know, 20, 32 years ago, I didn't have a problem to fix. I had a direction that needed to change. Little did I know that I wasn't simply making a decision. I was choosing a pathway. 
He got my attention. Jan, 34 years ago, she took my attention. Never gave it back. (laughs) My kids have taken my attention. Whatever has your attention, that's the direction you go. What has your attention today? Is it retirement? Is it finance? Is it Because that's where you'll go. You may go alone. I'd rather be running. I'd rather walk a little slower and go with people to make a difference than to run fast and be all by myself for no reason, especially for ill intent reasons. Not intentionally ill intent, just you look up and go, I based my life on that? I really did? What might have been? What might have been? Decide if you guys would come down as we close. It's interesting to me. How, say it's the right way, how we can come in week after week, including me, and we can know what's right. We actually mentally assent going, I I agree 100%. If there's 110, I'd do 110. I, I just do. Then we walk out with no difference. You can agree with the what until you embrace the why. You'll probably never give your life to it. Jesus gave his life for you to have an abundant life. But not self-focused, not self-centered, but for the good of others. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. It's pretty simple. That's how Wesley described holiness. That's it. To love God without, and see, that way we can almost work with any other, almost denomination or whoever, because we just ask them like Wesley did. I may not agree with you on everything else, but if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor yourself, give me thine hand. Pretty simple. It simplifies it. It simplifies it. But you've got to be all in. The power, as we sang the song, he has no rival. When you reach the point, when you realize the God you serve has no rival, the power you walk in has no rival, you begin to act different. You begin to live different. What's awesome about that is you do not live into that power for your glory or your self-gratification or your self-absorption or to manipulate others. You use that power to reach them and serve them to advance the kingdom. There is no rival. question is what would you do with the path the way would you stand as we continue to use these altars here as we close today an opportunity for some for all of you opportunity that may feel like I need to make this public in that setting around these altars and pray we're gonna give you an opportunity to do that just thankful we were part of a church 
but we still do some things like this <laughs> to give you an opportunity to do that let me pray for us and if you feel led this morning on any point and the Lord is speaking to you the Holy Spirit is pulling at you then I'll ask you to come and pray Lord we thank you right now for life and life everlasting use this time Lord for the advancement of the kingdom and for your glory pray this in your name Jesus